Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Blockchain Expert Insight podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Jane Thomason, um, live from Australia at 5 a.m. And um, Jane is an author of a really great book called Blockchaining the World, and she's also the founder of Supernova Data. And we're delighted to have you on the, blo- on the Blockchain podcast today, Jane. Thanks. It's great to be here. And I suppose I, it's a concise 10 minutes, Jane, so I'm going to ask you the question that I always ask um, the interviewees is, what does blockchain mean to you? So what blockchain means to me, so for, for, for me, blockchain's been the gateway into my own journey with digital transformation and social impact, which is what I'm really interested in. And, you know, blockchain has a way of being able to connect people who haven't historically been connected to the economy, for example, through through identity, through financial inclusion, um, through land registry, through supply chains, getting their goods to markets and so forth. So for me, it's it's a door opener, but it's also going to be um, the underpinning of so many things that we do in the future with other technologies. Um, That's so interesting. You mentioned financial inclusion there. Can you Briefly describe um, to the audience what that means in, ter- in terms of what what financial in- um, inclusion means around the world and how blockchain can add value there. Yeah, absolutely. So often people talk about financial inclusion using a term called unbanked, uh, which I actually think is a bit out of date now. So there's uh, something like 2.5 billion people in the world who don't have bank accounts. And the reason they don't have bank accounts is because Often they don't have a proof of identity, but also they may not have access to banks, which is what's so great now um, about mobile technology, because it means people actually don't need a bank account because they can send and receive funds from their mobile phone. And what blockchain enables is direct peer-to-peer transfer of funds, which means you don't have to go through a bank or a financial institution or Western Union or something like that to send funds. So it makes it quicker and less friction and direct to the beneficiary you're trying to send the funds to. Fantastic. And are there use cases out there at the moment which are using blockchain for financial inclusion or is it kind of theoretical at the moment or are there actual use cases out there in the market? No, it's not theoretical at all. It's not theoretical. And this is probably one of the areas which has moved the fastest and indeed accelerated during the pandemic. So um, one example, which is really quite common, is uh, in a lot of developing countries, people's relatives go overseas to work and send money home. So this is remittances. And uh, people are using blockchain for remittances. So one company that I'm very familiar with is called Bloom Solutions in the Philippines, and they're a blockchain remittance company. But other examples um, all around the developing world are things like Um, In Niger, Sophie Blackstead and Hived Online is working with women's cooperatives to essentially digitise women's cooperative savings using uh, blockchain and creating um, the equivalent of credit scores for people who don't have the the requisite material for a credit score. Um, And there are many, many, many examples. Um, BitPacer is an example of, uh, again, the blockchain version of M-Pesa that is in five different African countries. So there's loads and loads and loads and loads. That's fantastic. And a lot of the 
material I read on, you know, the idea of payments or financial, you know, um, implementations of blockchain, there's a lot of, you know, kind of scaremongering that, you know, you're removing, you know, that trusted central inter in intermediary and blockchain kind of disintermediates that where you're on your peer to peer, you know, transactions. Should we be afraid of this or is it just a normal transactional type thing that we will be using in the future that if there's trust embedded in it, it'll just become a normal um, transactional type activity, Jane? Well, I mean, I think that this is the, the basis of DeFi and probably a lot of people have been reading about how DeFi has really taken off because it essentially enables you to undertake all of the financial systems functions without an intermediary. So you're kind of swapping your trust from this intermediary to a smart contract that's essentially executing whatever the functions are that you're doing. I mean, in, in fairness on the trust question, there is no doubt that there are bad actors in the blockchain space, in the crypto space, in the DeFi space, and they probably get far more um, airplay than they deserve because on the other side, there are just a whole lot of people who are really working to do this properly, to keep people safe in a sort of, not a regulated way, because the regulators are slow to catch up, but as if they were following similar compliance um, rules of, of the traditional finance system, which, which is what are there to keep people safe. So there are risks, there's no doubt about that, and there are bad actors, but um, this is being cleaned out you know, bit by bit by bit. Fantastic. And you mentioned DeFi there. I, I, I saw an interesting cover in Time magazine and it said, is fiat currency dead? I'm, I'm wondering, will traditional fiat currencies have a role to play in the future or will we be using a hybrid model of DeFi and traditional currencies, Jane? What would your opinion um, be, be on that? Um, look, I, I'm not a financial expert, but what I would say based on my observation is from the beginning of time, when we, when we bartered, when we exchanged food for fire, um, to when we started using gold and silver as a medium of exchange and a store of value, we have continued to iterate. I think people, people kind of get stuck on the idea of because we use this piece of paper and we call it a fiat currency and exchange it now, that this is always the way we've transacted. So I see this very much as a, um, you know, a transition in the way that we share and exchange and store value and that it's going to be modified over time, I suspect that um, some countries will insist on hanging on to, you know, their, their old style of currencies and many will go digital. But in addition to those, if you like, official sovereign currencies, there's going to be a lot more different ways that people can exchange and store value. So even if you think about things like loyalty points for airlines, um, you, they're essentially that. And of course, these will become tokenized and people will invent a whole lot of other ways that we can um, earn money and exchange value. So I just think it's a, it's a kind of transition and as technology allows these things to happen, um, we're going to go with that change. And it's all going to be about user experience and what works for us with what we're trying to transact. That's fantastic. I suppose moving um, a bit more left field in terms of, 
you know, we see a lot of funding come out, coming out of the EU at the moment for, you know, countries to change their, um, their kind of carbon habits um, and, you know, towards a kind of a more circular economy. And I, we see a lot of cutting um, leading edge technology is going to play a big part in this. Can you see a part for blockchain to play in sustainability in the circular economy, Jane? Oh, absolutely. And there's a lot of people who are working on projects um, about that. I mean, I don't know if, if your listeners have heard of this notion of distributed autonomous communities that are enabled by blockchain, where, where essentially people, people can, can incentivize, do projects, invest using tokens, but around a social concern. So I see um, things like sustainability and climate change as perfect use cases um, for blockchain because it's going to allow communities all around the world to connect up, um, being incentivized to, to do positive climate actions, if I could just use that term, to be rewarded for that and also then to fund other communities to do similar things. So, I mean, I'm talking in a very simplistic way, but I see it as, as absolutely um, an important way, but it also allows the tracking of things like um, carbon credits and climate payments as well. Fantastic. And would you have any use cases that's currently ongoing in that type of area, Jane? Uh, well, you can look at one, I mean, because it depends on where you're looking at, but one exactly, that, yeah. that I recently, uh, you know, became familiar with is called the Regen Network, and that's around regenerative agriculture, and they're building a token economy around that. But, but there are absolutely loads. And then you've got... Um, uh, token economics and Jamie and the crew in Ireland trying to do this there and I love their project so um, you if you haven't had him on your your uh, show you've got to get him on the show to talk about it because that's all about sustainability and food and farming and regenerating agriculture in Ireland. That's fantastic I'll, I'll have to uh, get in contact with Jamie and find out a bit more about that because um, I remember I was you don't have to go overseas you've got some great things we've got some on. local local talent here and I suppose just to round off um, the, the, the podcast Jane it's been a fantastic 10 minutes um, what do you think we need to do to propel blockchain to the next level and um, if you were well, to pitch look, what I, we need to do well we, we need to do we need to do a few things. Um, we need to have credible people talking about the credible uses of blockchain because it's still kind of stuck in the Bitcoin dark web, drugs and, you know, illegal activities. So, so that gets more cover than anything else. And we need to move it to people talking about how it's being used in healthcare, how it's being used in supply chain, how it's being used in financial services and all of the if I could say mainstream use cases where it's helping industries improve. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and there is no doubt that it's still an immature technology and there's still issues around interoperability and transaction speed and cost of gas on Ethereum and so forth. And these are sort of technical issues that still uh, need to be sorted out. But the final, the final piece, you know, I think that's really important is just build those credible use cases and then have them properly written up again by credible people, get academic institutions involved because they're the ones who can be the third party that says, yes, that project did work. It did improve the lives of these people in that way. This is a real thing. So I think they're the things that need to be done. 
fantastic insights there to round off this podcast, Jane. I'd like to thank you uh, for giving up your time. And um, if the listeners want to find out more about the work that you're doing in this area, can they contact you uh, via your LinkedIn or a website? Yeah, just just message message me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very active and I will always reply. So if anyone's interested, um, send me a message. That's fantastic, Jane. Thank you very much for your contribution today on this podcast. It's such a pleasure. Thank you.